Welcome to the HR Lounge. Sit back and listen in as Diane and I interview HR professionals from all walks in life. We'll be exploring all things HR related. You know the ones, those deep and sometimes uncomfortable conversations that should take place, but unfortunately never really happen. Enjoy your time with us in the HR Lounge. Today, our guest is Ian Patterson, Senior People Services Project Manager at Barnet and Enfield and Haringey Mental Health NHS Trust. Welcome, Ian. Ian, you and I go way, way back, way, way back, back in the archives. So we've known each other since our days at Bart's Health. Diane, you haven't met Ian. This is the first time you're meeting him. Yeah, so welcome. I feel privileged and honoured to be an invitee and I was, it gives, it's given me the opportunity to reflect um, which sometimes what with modern life etc uh, one doesn't do and uh, it would have been uh, 2012 yeah. that we met Jacqueline that's when I was, uh, uh, had the privilege of working with you at a time uh, working as we've said at Bart's Health the mega trust that recently formed. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So welcome, welcome. So we've got a series of questions and I'm gonna kick off with the first one, Ian. Could you tell us about your career journey and how the pathway you took to get into the role you currently hold as a senior people services project manager? Sounds really interesting. Uh, it very much is. Interestingly, one of my reflections is I'm now working closer to home than I have ever worked. And it is a great thing because I get to spend more time with my family. I actually am working 15 minutes down the road from where I live. So there's that real sense of serving your local community. Uh, whilst I don't live in Barnet, Enfield or Henringay, I happen to live in Islington, um, very much local people benefiting from the services we deliver here. So just in terms of my, my career journey, I am a London, well, I was born in Scotland, actually, I have to admit, and I am a, in some ways a proud Scot, but I'm also a very proud Londoner, having spent most of my life in London. I went to school in London through the comprehensive system, and I think that marked me out. I went to Havistock in Camden. A lot of people you meet in the NHS, certainly at a senior management level, aren't actually from London, didn't have the same kind of experiences as me. I grew up in Camden, a very diverse area, went to a very diverse school. And also uh, in terms of my, my cultural background, my mother happened to be the child of German Jewish emigre who came here in uh, 1938. So I, I feel part of me is Scottish, a lot of me is London, but uh, uh, another part of me is uh, European. I consider myself to be from a very diverse background and uh, was educated in a very diverse area. I happened to go through school, took a degree and ended up doing law. I kind of fell into that rather than by design. I was never uh, an individual and it was interesting because I was slightly different than my colleagues on the law degree. Uh, I kind of fell into law. Uh, it wasn't a calling or a vocation. Uh, and I didn't really get on with it. I did it. It was a degree. It was useful. Uh, but then I found, found myself heading into the world of work back in London. I happened to go to uh, the University of Hertfordshire. Uh, so 
came back to London and I think my third job in, having bounced around a little bit, was for the NHS, and I'm showing my age here, for what's called a region, what was called a regional office. And regional offices used to manage, it happened to be Northeast London Regional Office down in Paddington. Uh, and I worked in their private office, so servicing all their big committees. And it was useful because I got to see how the NHS worked uh, locally. There was quite a lot of Department of Health contact at that level in the system. And then after a while, I was headhunted into the what was back then the personnel department. Someone spotted what they thought was a bit of talent, and I headed into uh, the world of personnel or HR, workforce, people. And that is interesting. Uh, I'm in my 50s now. So uh, uh, the way in which the profession has been branded has changed over time. Um, and I think the I currently term myself Senior People Services Project Manager. So that's an indication of how things have changed. Anyway, I got headhunted uh, into HR, as I say, within uh, Northeast London Regional Health Authority. I happen to, having not perhaps uh, uh, stood out academically in my first degree, I then embarked on some uh, vocational education. I got myself a CIP postgrad at the London Institute. I don't think it even exists anymore. That was down in the West End, which is always fun. I think it's part of the University of Arts London. It's been subsumed into that mass. Pretty quickly after that, I got myself an MA in Strategic HR from the University of Kingston. Uh, my workplaces were always very generous, actually, in uh, supporting me educationally. And I was always very good at identifying courses to go on. And at the same time, I was getting promoted through the HR ranks. I joined as a well HR officer, then became uh, an HR manager. And my early experiences, apart from delivering HR services, interface with payroll, uh, appraisal, um, policies and procedures, etc., was a lot of organisational change. It was a time of um, northeast London. Regional Health Authority became North London Health Authority. So there was a merger there. And my final act at the Regional Health Authority uh, was to actually transfer everyone, well, the 150 people that remained into the Department of Health. Uh, so I did spend time, a, a short period of time actually as a civil servant from NHS into civil service. Um, I was offered some money and took a career break I happened to go to America. I happened to be a graduate of uh, a high school in America. I happened to do an exchange program there. So I went back to see the fam, my exchange family, spent six months there, and then came back to uh, London and found myself a job in primary care in Newham, which again, whilst you didn't see it at the Regional Health Authority so much because it was uh, senior and not particularly diverse, I went to Newham and worked in Newham, Plasto Hospital, uh, which was highly diverse, supporting GPs. Significant majority of them were actually Asian, uh, South Asian GPs. Um, so working on that agenda, which is very interesting at the time, uh, a significant period of uh, health service reform. I started working for New and Martin Fund, which was a group of GPs who got together and pulled their kind of commissioning resources and were causing merry hell to the, uh, the health service but very much making uh, use of uh, reforms and very much uh, working for their patients who were significantly diverse and perhaps not best served by 
the, the big institutions around them, Bart's Health being one of them, uh, which was interesting. I worked there, uh, the multi-fund became part of the PCT, again, organisational change in that respect. And from there, I worked my way up the ladder to deputy director. Um, I'm very proud to serve the uh, GPs in one of the most diverse areas of the country. And I found myself applying for a job at the Homerton Hospital, which happens to be the district general hospital for acne. Again, uh, uh, another very diverse area, just uh, north and east of uh, Newham, and worked there as deputy director uh, and spent some time as acting director. Again, significant organisational change. And it's interesting because when I met Jacqueline, I had left the Homerton uh, and was working as an interim first uh, at UCLH and then at Bart's Health where I met Jacqueline. Uh, went back to the Homerton in 2013 and left there in 2021. And I've been working interim and uh, I'm currently supporting Barnet, Enfield and Harrogate. Interestingly, I was at uh, Central London Community Health. I did see you because you're a non-executive director there, Jacqueline, I think. I am indeed. I am indeed. Well, indeed. <laughs> and here I am at uh, Barnet, Enfield and Harrogate. I was here initially filling in uh, an associate director post, uh, which we successfully recruited into. I like to think they liked me so much they've asked me to stay on. And that's kind of it in summary. Lots of HR, lots of people issues. I'm endlessly fascinated by people and on my reflections. Uh, I'm always slightly wary of people who say, you, you ask the question, why, why, why do you want to work in people services, HR? Because I love people. I'm endlessly fascinated by people and I very much do like them. Um, but that is not why I'm in people services, uh, HR. I'm very much in it because I think uh, if people have managed the right way, they can deliver amazing things. Absolutely. Uh, and it's often uh, the HR function, the people function that is there providing a steering hand to the organisation in that respect. I think um, the position that you hold is a good position to make a difference, I think. From all that you've said, you, you've been in positions where you can influence and shape situations to help the organisation and the people. So that's really good. So how has your experience helped you shape what you do today? Are there any key things that you've done over the years that have really shaped what you do on the day to day now? I've certainly seen management deliver badly, um, which to a certain extent, sometimes the best learning is through either bad examples or one's own mistakes. Uh, I like to think I don't make that many, but um, there'd be no learning if you never made any. What's influenced me very much, again, is that abiding fascination and interest in people and their potential to do good. Uh, the health service, like no other organisation, uh, has many people delivering services to people. And I'm very taken with the, the concepts that if you treat your people well, uh, with respect, engaging them, communicating with them, giving them opportunities, whatever their backgrounds, then you will have, uh, if you do that, then the delivery of service takes care of itself. Well, well motivated and engaged staff um, will run through brick walls and deliver amazing things. And I think we've seen that through the pandemic, as an example. The NHS has stood up 
and delivered greatly for the nation. And it's one of the institutions, when we talk about Great Britain, um, the NHS is one of the things I think that does make uh, this country stand out from the rest of the world. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's these people that do that. I think that's sometimes forgotten, unfortunately. Um, and we don't service our people as best as we might. But uh, I like to think that that that's the agenda I I take forward. If you treat your people well, everything else will fall into place. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree Absolutely. more. Mm, definitely, definitely. I can I can hear the passion for people in in what you you know, shared with us and, and the varied roles that you've had, Ian, but um, there must have been some challenging times during your career working in the NHS and, you know, what were they? What was the most challenging time and how did you overcome it? I've worked for some really difficult bosses in my time for whatever reason, um, but I have been challenged by uh, some of the managers that I have worked for and interestingly, uh, one of the significant like vignettes is people don't leave organizations they leave managers uh so i have some managers who i'd like to say do you really think that was the way you should be uh managing people mm -hmm. because i certainly didn't feel motivated engaged i felt totally demotivated and disengaged at times but that's a personal reflection i mean i like to be well like uh so the pandemic is an instant one and whilst yes it was challenging in terms of the uh, variety and pace of uh, uh, things we needed to do. I think actually it wasn't the most challenging time because everyone really did stand up and uh, play their part. Uh, I was endlessly impressed by colleagues who would put their hand up and say, I want to work in ITU. Uh, I happened to be working at the Hombudsman at the time that the pandemic hit. So in an acute setting, I want to work on ITU. I want to come in at the weekend and support uh, whichever aspect of delivery. So I'm not necessarily, I found it very energizing and inspirational working through the pandemic. It was hard work. Uh, the hours that people put, I put in, colleagues put in um, on the HR side, managers put in on the manager side, but most importantly, clinicians put in on the clinical side, uh, being repurposed, doing, doing things that they'd never done before. I thought that was amazing, but because of the common cause, I'm not sure it's necessarily challenging in that sense. Um, it was challenging, but I think everyone was up for the challenge and really happy about it. I guess some of the most challenging times I've had is uh, significant organisational change. Um, certainly at the Regional Health Authority, uh, we were an organisation of a thousand people when I joined uh, and I transferred 150 of our Merry men and women into the Department of Health. Um, so a lot of people, a lot of people got jobs in the NHS, of course, but other people perhaps um, it was the, it marked the end of their careers. So supporting them through that uh, was very challenging. They ensure that we treated people, my part, um, treated people with the dignity and respect they deserved, uh, making sure as far as possible uh, they knew what was happening. Uh, they were communicated with, they were listened to, and as I say, they were treated with dignity and respect. Uh, uh, treat as I would have liked to be treated, I think, is uh, another one of the uh, kind of laws I abide by. Um, how would it feel for me? Um, understanding that, I think, is very important. Uh, I think some managers, because yeah. 
And again, it goes back to uh, my point about some of the most challenging times of people uh, with people. They don't necessarily walk in other people's shoes. Yeah. So the, the whole capacity to empathise, I think, is very important. In terms of challenging over COVID, the fact of just being in COVID is a challenge, right? <laughs> but the fact that obviously people came together Definitely. is a fantastic thing. I see obviously seen on the news and I know of some people who've been involved as well to see what a great service they've given us. They should be um, obviously valued a lot more than they are currently. Uh, the NHS, like no other service, really did stand up uh, during the pandemic and uh, make this country proud and deliver deliver as best it could under some really trying circumstances. Uh, no doubt there's going to be an inquiry at some point, but no doubt saved many lives. Um, yeah, uh, so something to be really proud of. And again, when one reflects, uh, reflects on this country, uh, what it's about, the NHS is a real shining example of something to be proud of in this country. Definitely, definitely, definitely. So as a senior people service, project manager, how has your role helped others to develop and grow with uh, the organisations that, that you're currently working in? Well, I've always, uh, I've always been keen, I'm, as I say, endlessly fascinated in people, uh, uh, obsessively nosy. Um, <laughs> I don't mean that in a kind of gossipy, uh, uh, gossipy way, but really keen to understand people's backgrounds, uh, what what their journey is and as best I can supporting them on that journey. Uh, junior HR colleagues, um, working with managers to be the best managers they can be, because as I say, if you are if you manage your people right then you will be delivering good services. Um, so I'm always keen to understand people's journey. Hopefully um, my my philosophy around um, how one manages, how one supports people will rub off on them. Uh, always um, looking for people to reflect about how they are managing, how they can improve, which of course we're all mirrors of each other. So in doing that, I'm kind of talking to myself as well. Um, so working hard with people uh, to provide support. I'm always looking to nurture uh, talent. Uh, happy to be a mentor, always have been. Very much uh, when I was a commenter, not so much now, actively involved in the um, uh, the management schemes, uh, the NHS management schemes, uh, always promoting national programs, making sure that uh, people have access to those opportunities. Yeah, that's really good. Um, I think there should be more people like you <laughs> supporting staff. Yeah. I think that's uh, there's always seems to be a deficit. Um, definitely, definitely. Regarding, you know, having mentors um, in an organisation. I mean, the NHS can't throw money at people. It's a public, it's a public service. But what it can do is uh, nurture and develop them. One gets a great sense of satisfaction about supporting people to then move on to, if you love someone, you should be prepared to let them go. And in the NHS, that, that next, next step is somewhere else. But uh, always keen uh, uh, to kind of mm. bask in. Ultimately, it's the individual who's done it, but I'm... Um, Always really happy Absolutely. to arrive a great sense of satisfaction to see people moving onwards and upwards. You you certainly speak with passion. You speak our language, Ian. Um, I think you know your experience is is quite diverse, and your passion for people is so 
apparent. You know, how, how has your experience helped you to pay it forward to help others along their career pathways? Bearing in mind, we, we know that within um, the NHS, you know, the little foibles, the, the things, the challenges and the changes that happen um, doesn't help to foster and build staff progression. So more often than not, we find that a lot of potential leaves the organisation. So how do you, how's your experience helped others, you know, as, as a, a, a people person, how has it helped you to spot talent, but rather than let it stifle or, or diminish, help it to fly? I kind of go back to where I'm from. I'm from London. Um, I think I have a very particular perspective on things, which I think a lot of NHS managers don't. Um, I think they're quite limited in what uh, talent looks like. Um, as I say, I come from a very diverse, I, I, I live in Islington, I was schooled in Camden, so my influences are very diverse uh, and I see, uh, I, I see within the NHS, I mean the stats speak for themselves, uh, shocking levels and interestingly when I was a when I was at Region all those years ago, it was uh, Nigel Crisp yeah, uh, who commissioned the uh, the work of the, oh, I can't remember his name, the, the, oh, the snowy white Roger horse, um, was research done. Roger Klein. research. I mean, that was, um, that was as I left Region in 90, it must have been, uh, I'm trying to think, it must have been 1998, uh, just before the millennium, actually. Uh, 1998 snowy white peaks and we look across we look we, we we i'm not at the top of the mountain by any long short not much has changed um, though i'm certainly uh i'm certainly um quite high up and i have been and i'm always i don't disappointed disappointed in the nhs that it hasn't been better at nurturing talent i've worked at the neurohomerton uh, and now BEH, um, CLCH, and broadly the majority of the workforce from uh, Black, Asian, minority ethnic backgrounds. Yeah, that is not reflected. And as I say, uh, we are still on a journey. We are still on a journey. My part, I like to think whatever anyone's doing, if they're talented, uh, if they work hard, there should be no barrier to them moving on with themselves. I take great delight in supporting people to do that, whatever their background. That's really good. Um, I think it's yeah. very important yeah, that um, that message uh, goes out there because mm. you know it is about doing the doing the work. If you do the work, you should be promoted accordingly. You should see the results. So, I mean, as I say, uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, I mean, kind of res has been paused whilst. Mm people reflect on, on, on how significant change is going to come. I mean, interestingly, sat behind me, not that you can see me, is our people promise. Um, the NHS people plan, one reads it, mm. one can't fault it. Uh, it the hits all the right notes. Um, but it is about, on a day-to-day -day basis, it's execution uh, that perhaps uh, organisations mm. need to be a bit... Yeah. 
we are going to see significant change. What is it going to take? Because the definition of madness yeah. is doing the same things and expecting different results. Absolutely. So, what is that step change? How are we going to do that? Yeah. Because, as I say, yeah. 1998, there I was, uh, very much taken with um, uh, Roger Klein's work, having witnessed it firsthand. Um, and here we are, yeah. uh, 2008, 10 years, um, yeah, over 15 years later. Still talking about the same things, and not necessarily. We have yeah. seen progress, absolutely, and you do see yeah. more diverse senior leadership across the NHS. But it's very incremental. And again, when you reflect on organisations, certainly in London, which are often uh, 56, 56 BAME, 44 white. Uh, that is not reflected across uh, all areas of the organisation. Yeah, unfortunately, um, unless people are willing to make the change, there will be no change. You know, we can only hope that um, significant action taken by the right people will, yeah, will make that change happen. Well, I'm sure you can extrapolate on the basis of uh, progress today how long it's going to take, mm -hmm. and uh, not in our lifetimes. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if, if you know, um, I'm the founder of the hashtag pay gap mm. campaign, and they said it will take 50 years for parity of pay for black, Asian, and, and other ethnic minorities. So that's just one piece, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, absolutely. Mm, mm, yeah. When, when we think about a timeline, because you mentioned Roger Klein's Snowy White Peaks, he did do a return to the Snowy White Peaks, yeah. the sequel, and... Although I don't work for the NHS, Diane and I both work with the NHS and we see the disparities. We're involved in a lot of um, initiatives to support Black, Asian and, and other minority ethnics to champion, you know, the challenges they face, whether it be anti-racism, whether it be along their career pathways. But, you know, for us, we're, we're also passionate about people development. I mean, I'm a HRD specialist, Diane's a HRM specialist. So, you know, together, Synergize Solutions becomes that solution that's quite holistic for the work that we do, irrespective, and everything that we do is kind of bespoke to the organization. So we kind of like go in as the detectives and lift up the duvet and have a look underneath it, as opposed to seeing the nice, wow. nicely spreaded bed sheet, we kind of look underneath and, and that's how we can get to see what's really happening and be able to tailor our offerings and initiatives to meet individuals at whatever level and support them, empower them and motivate them to actually grow. I mean, it's interesting, now, now you mention it, I mean, of course, you, you work in this space and you will have seen, yes, as you say, um, some nicely iron duvets, but when you lift that, when you lift the covers, mm. a whole host of things uh, which are indicative of why organisations aren't making the progress that they should be. Absolutely. For me, and it was interesting because during the pandemic, of course, the uh, uh, the George Floyd, the tragic death of George Floyd, and the Me Too movement, um, and that was a point of reflection for me um, as a white middle class male and. Um, it was really interesting. Uh, at one point, I think, oh, those crazy Americans, look what they've gone and done again. And then, of course, you, one sees uh, uh, Coulson being chucked into uh, Bristol Harbour. Mm -hmm. 
and then certainly cycling home from Hackney, uh, uh, Black Lives Matter posters going up in windows, uh, and that whole piece about white silence is violence. And a real reflection piece for me is about my party, yeah. um, what I can do. And I think what organisations what organizations tend to do is it's a hot topic for a month and then it just disappears. And that whole acceleration uh, and improvement will only be kind of built on yeah. Yeah. it being a priority and it being, uh, and it's interesting, we talk about waiting times, I mean, the pandemic has put place with a lot of stuff, but um, what's measured is done. Um, whilst we measure it, it's not, it's kind of looked at once a year. We will say we must do better. Um, and then we then we kind of put it all away and um, don't yeah. really feed, focus yeah. on it. And I think it is something that we do need to constantly, if we want to see the change, we need to constantly be uh, discussing it and um, challenging ourselves. And I think that's where NHS organisations, the, 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 yeah, the focus, mm -hmm. yeah. it's difficult, it's a challenging one. I mean, delivering healthcare is challenging enough. Um, um, but this is a very important topic and one that I think merits more focus. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. It, it's, look, it's a bit like um, bringing out the best china once a year and then saying, look, we're having a lovely meal and then after the meal's over, it's like, quick, wash them up and put them back. What we have to do is to use everything here and now, to do everything here and now. You know? So, yeah, you can hear the passion in, in our voices as well, because we are really passionate about people ourselves. I mean, it was interesting. It was interesting. I mean, I kind of, I tasked myself with, uh, um, you know, one of my responses to pre-pandemic, uh, responses to what should the Homerton be, be doing? A discussion point was, well, we should run unconscious bias training. And it is interesting. Uh, and of course, one looks at the evidence and unconscious bias training doesn't really, doesn't really, what does it do? No. What does it do? But I did find that I, <laughs> it doesn't cut it. it doesn't I can be slightly cathartic uh, personally doing the research. And the, 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 the the piece I happened upon was the Black Nurses That Saved the NHS, which is an amazing documentary, and I recommend anyone yeah. watch it, whether or not it's still available. And that vignette, that piece where you had, um, West, well, West Indian and African yeah. nurses uh, who had retired, just talking about how they've been ground down by the NHS. Um, and it's like people, you know, we are part of this system that yeah, grinds people and you know that is a call to that has to be a call to action that has to be a call to action and it's so those heartfelt those heartfelt testimonies is really sad actually really sad so i feel compelled compelled black asian minority ethnic all staff should have a positive experience uh, and, and the fact that Bane colleagues all too often get a really rough deal is something that uh, I take personally. I do take personally. And bearing in mind all that we've just said here, what advice would you give to anyone who's looking to embark on a career in HR? Um, work a lot. Study, always be open to uh, uh, 
new ideas um, through your own research, through talking to people, um, be open-minded, um, never make assumptions about people, really seek to listen and hear what people are saying. And I think, uh, I think organizations are very bad at that, actually. Understand the people, because uh, if you don't, you'll be generating solutions that are going to fall flat on their face. Yeah, I think, uh, I think the NHS, management of the NHS at times can be quite tone deaf. Uh, I think it's really important that you do uh, where you are looking to generate solutions. Often the best ideas come from the uh, shop floor. And again, if you want to motivate and engage people, take an interest in them. Yeah. Um, go and seek out their view and their opinion. Um, uh, a, it enriches the solution you're trying to deliver anyway. Uh, and um, if you don't, your chances of success are less. And it actually makes it, I don't know, that is kind of, for me, is what is really motivating, is, is, is going out there. Ultimately, we've got a job to do. Uh, that's really important. But that's important to uh, engage and engage and understand people. Um, uh, we're kind of on a hiding to nothing, really. Uh, so that's what I would say. Um, develop one's uh, develop one's skills in that respect. Uh, uh, I think to work in people services HR, you have to be a people. When I say people person, again, I go back to that's not about loving people because sometimes you have to do some quite difficult things. Um, uh, if you if you say to people, sorry, you, you're not going to be working like that anymore, and all yeah. your jobs at risk, that's a difficult thing to do, and you need to be prepared to do that. Um, but you need to. Uh, be able to talk to people, to understand them, to listen to them, uh, uh, to support them uh, during those kind of things. Uh, so that's one aspect. And as I say, just be open to new ideas, constantly be uh, updating yourself, reading, uh, checking what other people are doing. Um, imitation is a serious form of flattery. I think uh, an ex-colleague of mine, um, Steel with Pride, uh, that kind of thing. Um, someone's always done done it. Uh, maybe not right, but they've done something, and the reference mm. material is always there. So uh, uh, yeah, always. And another part of that is have a good network. Um, don't be yeah. afraid to call people up. Uh, say, oh, hello, I've heard you're doing this. Can you tell me how you do that? Um, it gets you known. Um, yeah, uh, it's interesting. I mean, what with the advent of Teams, it just makes everything so much easier. So in the in the NHS, we all use MS Teams. So you can just call people up. Say yeah. hi. Oh, as long as you've got their email address, that's it. You're plugged straight in, having a conversation, which I find. So don't don't be backwards in coming forwards. Um, uh, <laughs> promote promote yourself yeah. as well, I think, is another yeah. aspect. Um, yeah, if you want to get on, don't be shy. And I know that's, I mean, I'm, I don't know, I like to think uh, uh, at moments I'm a bit shy, but um, uh, I haven't got to where I am today by being totally shy. Um, you've got to be out there uh, and promoting yourself, the work you're doing, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, so those are the kind of tips and advice I would give. And you get more out of it in doing that. I think it makes it for a more, more interesting uh, uh, time, really. Oh, brilliant. Thank you so much. Yeah, Ian, thank you for taking the time out to speak to Diane and I. And 
you know, sharing your journey and your passion for yeah, inclusion, so for diversity and equity as well. Um, you know, we, we thank you for your time with us. Yes, and I think our audience will appreciate it. It's my pleasure. As I say, it's um, sometimes holding a mirror was, you know, I, and I thank you guys for the opportunity because as I say, um, uh, when one's in the throes of work and family life, um, one perhaps doesn't have the opportunity to reflect. And um, in engaging with, with, with you and doing this podcast, it really has provided me with that opportunity and taken me back to uh, the kind of questions you've asked and the discussion has taken me back to what, what I hold as important. Uh, and I, the other, if you're, if you're working in HR and the NHS, do access Michael West's work. Um, I think there are so many truisms in there. Um, you know, I, I kind of access, it reminded me and I accessed the, the work again. Um, high quality, continually improving and compassionate leadership is what it's all about. Paying attention, listening with fascination, appraising the situation uh, for staff, having an empathetic response and um, being here to help, helping people, uh, not being a barrier. Yeah. Uh, and as I say, you know, some of my learning has been from people who, 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 yeah. who haven't been like that. Yeah. Um, I think you get the best results of life. Uh, being open, attentive, and helping people. Uh, and they, they will run through brick walls for you, mm. with you, uh, if you do that. So those are the kind of things. It's really, and as I say, it's given me a, an opportunity to re-engage with that work. So uh, I'm, I'm very uh, appreciative of that. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the HR Lounge. We hope you find our podcast insightful. Join us next time for more thoughtful discussion. And remember, you have the power to make a difference.